Hey guys, this is Joe. Neighborhood needs a fucking crime wave. Get property values where they belong. What's up, everybody? It's Eric. You admit what you did, Dave, and I'm going to let you live. Just say it out loud and I'll let you breathe. Admit what you did and I'll give you your life. I know in my soul I contributed to your death, but I don't know how. The truth will come to the surface. No more lies, no more secrets. Critics are calling Mystic River the best movie so far this year. Very since hit. Remarkable, a powerful film. It is a masterpiece. Do you ever think about how just one little choice could change your whole life? Mystic River, a film by Clint Eastwood, rated R. You're listening to Worth the Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again even if it meant paying a lead fee. What's new, Joe? Nothing much, Eric. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I haven't really been watching anything new. I'm kind of, I feel bad from the last episode. I'm kind of in the same spot that I was last time where I'm watching Snowfall. I just started the fourth season of Snowfall. The end of the, no, wait. Yeah, I think I just started the fourth season. I'm on the last season that aired, whatever. I think it's the fourth season. I'm, I just started that. The end of the third season or whatever, the last one I just finished it was amazing. So I'm pretty pumped. Um, still enjoying Only Murders in the Building. Bree and I are going a little slow with that one. But uh, and still watching Living Single and, and Martin while riding my stationary bike. What about you? Actually, are you? I've never actually seen Living Single. I've never seen it before. I know what it I, is, but I've never seen it. I don't think rewatching it, I don't think you would. I, I think it's a, it would be a tough sell for someone um without like attachment to it <laughs> yeah yeah the one that you well I, I don't know it's tough the the one that i'm gonna be watching after this i think because i've just been going like going like i said reliving my childhood via sitcom is uh, a different world which is a cosby show spinoff so that one i could see you liking more than um in living single than living single but either way it's good. What are, are you all caught up on uh, Wonder Years or no? No, like just like you are. I've been, I've literally been watching pretty much as like like the meathead I'm turning into right now. I've been watching sports, so that's like pretty much like I've been watching anything new. Just some very sports. disappointed in you. I know, I know, I know. But I, my brother's been watching The Expanse, and he's been really. I've heard great things about The Expanse, and he's been hyping up himself. So I think after Pal and I finally finished Chuck, because we took a little break from the last season, so we're gonna get back into that once the once my couch gets delivered on Saturday. Um, so we're going to get caught up with that. But I think after I'm caught up with that in one year, I'm going to move into The Expanse because Where? that ended. Okay. Who's in that? I don't even know that one. Thomas Jane. Uh, I think on Amazon Prime. It's based off, it's like a science fiction show. Uh, oh, okay. So That's why I don't know it. So yeah, you might, but it's, it ended and it's getting some great reviews all the way to the very end. So like, it's not like a, a letdown of a finale. Okay. It's I, it, the Thomas Jane's in it though. Um, and some other like people I really enjoy, like uh, um, oh Elias, what's his name? I can't remember his last name now. Some really cool little cameos here and there for like mm-hmm. science fiction fans and gaming fans. So I'm Sweet. looking forward to it. It's on Amazon Prime, I think. Where with the Wonder Years? Have you seen about Mitzvah episode yet? No, what episode oh, is that? That's that's that not wise. Uh, it's not the one that aired last week. It's the one that aired the week before. Not yet. I'm close okay. though. I think I'm like maybe an episode before that <clears throat> as, as okay. of right now. So okay, it's really good. So yeah, no, I'm I'm going. I want that show is thankfully 
not a letdown either. So no. it's been it's been really pretty consistent. So what are your thoughts on the remake? Just because it's it's kind of the same in this eh, not really to me, but the um How I Met Your Father remake on Hulu. I want to watch it just because I like Christopher Lowell, who was in um Enlisted, which was a uh-huh. one season, got canceled, whatever. And I like Peck as well. Um, but I, I just can't, I don't know if I can get behind Hilary Duff having trouble finding <laughs> love. Like <laughs> The, so the original is so How I Met Your Father. I have a weird thing with that show where my friends all watch that show, and whenever the mother I, or father the the, new the one? original How okay. I Met Your Mother. Sorry. So the original, my friends all watch the show, and whenever I watch that show, I love it. Like it cracks it's me up. So I just good. never, I just never sat down and watched it like the whole show. Yeah. But that show's hilarious. So it's tough to compete with, and it was fairly recent. So yes. it's it's. And I hope it's not like there's different careers, but I hope it's not a reason to fix what a lot of people have problem wise with the final seasons of the show, which I might, I, I have problems with last season, but I don't think who he ends up with is one of the problems. I think how they got there is a huge problem, but yeah, I hope it's not just a way to redo things and fix certain parts of the original series. Cause like I said, the original series is great. And the reason I love, as far as like remakes, the reason I love the Wonder Years remake so much is it a it's been a long time and then b it's a totally different view on the same time in american history that was completely different depending on who you were like you know it was a different time for for kevin than it was for for the new show so it's it's but anyway so today we're going to be talking about a movie that's set in boston uh it's an Academy Award and won a couple Academy Awards for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor. Um, it's Mystic River from 2003. And to go with that, I'm going to be drinking uh, Sam Adams Boston Lager because what's more, yeah, exactly. What's more cliche Boston than, <laughs> than a Sam Adams? So <clears throat> I mentioned this last week when I announced that I was picking this one, but I picked this one because I remember loving it when it first came out. I rewatched it recently and I didn't love it as much. And so I wanted to see, was I just in a bad mood that day? So we're, we're, we're finally talking about 2000s movies. And this was a big one. Like I said, it won Academy Awards. It got nominated for like six, I think. So this is a huge one. So um, what's your, I, I guess, yeah, you. what's your memory of it? I'll talk about mine in a second. But I, I saw it because of the Oscar hype. So I remember, I didn't see it in theaters or anything. I'm sure, you know, being in Boston, I probably should have. But I, I didn't see it in theaters, but I did watch it just to get ready for the Oscars that year, I do remember. So I've only seen it once. So this is actually my second time viewing it the other day. So I've only seen it once before this, and I remember liking it back then. So, Yeah, I remember when it came out, I was so pumped because you have to remember, at that time, there wasn't... Like, now it seems like there's a Boston movie every year or every other year. And movies that, in, at that time, movies that were set in Boston were kind of rare. And if they were set in Boston, a lot of times it was pretty clear to anyone from the area that they weren't really set in Boston. Um, I love crime films. I love mob-ish films. I was pumped. Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, Clint Eastwood. You know what I mean? What more could you ask for? I was, I was pretty pumped when this came on. And, and like you, I remember liking it. And I don't ever remember... Th- I'll save it. I'll both say for for later. But would you have any uh, stats as far as how it did financially? Pretty good, I think. Yeah, it did really well. Uh, Mr. River came out on October fifteenth, two thousand three, and had a budget of somewhere between twenty five and thirty million dollars, making one hundred fifty six point six million in the box office. It was run by my butcher this last name, 
Brian Helgeland, who also uh, wrote LA Confidential, Payback, 42, and The Underappreciated and Ice Tale, which he wrote, produced, oh. and directed. Oh, so, that movie's what? horrible. It's, it's under, you got to go into it with no, no, no. history attached. <laughs> no, I will not go into it yes. ever again. I saw Come that on. movie in theaters and it was Did horrible. Yes. <laughs> so all I can remember about that movie is, and this, this is actually a good example of how my imagination does is broken and this is like why i can't do sci-fi i can't do whatever all i remember and i was when did the, when did that come out when did i still come out like 2000 or something yeah 2000, 2001 really early in the so year. i remember seeing that in theaters and being so mad that they were playing we will rock you during the <laughs> this like medieval jousting scene and they weren't even it wasn't even they that spoke they're, it was like they're speaking like no we just like, we are right now like they didn't give a shit at all but i like that <laughs> So they're, <laughs> so they're playing we will rock you and uh, if they were just playing it i guess i could kind of like get over it because i'd be like well you know it's just the background but the people in media the medieval times are like singing along with the song or they're like i can't remember if they're like banging stuff to like go like doo, doo, tsh, doo, tsh, and i was like what the fuck am i watching yes. right now <laughs> yes. so do you have anything more about the oh, writer? yeah so so yeah but um so it was based on it was it was written by him and it was directed by Clint Eastwood, who really needs no career rundown as both an actor and director. Um, the movie was based on the book of the same name, written by Dennis Lehane. That's who, what I was waiting for. Yeah, so he's written some really great stuff too. He was he wrote um, Shutter Island, Gone Baby Gone, um, yep. and he's actually written for The Wire. Some yes. story, some story yeah. elements for the while. I don't know if he had yes. actual scripts, but he did develop some story for that show. He did. He did. Uh, I think like six episodes, five or six episodes of the wire. So yeah, awesome. So the guy's definitely established. Um, and Mr. River was nominated, like you said, for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture and winning Best Actor, Sean Penn, and Best Supporting Actor going to Tim Robbins. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, critically, and how it's how it's thought of, seven point nine out of ten on IMDb. 80, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, four stars from Roger Ebert, he loved it. Quote from his review, to see Strong acting like this is exhilarating. In a time of flashy directors who slice and dice their films in a dizzy editing rhythm, it is important to remember that films can look and listen and attentively sympathize with their characters. Directors, directors grow great by subtracting, not adding, and Eastwood does nothing for show, everything for effect. So Roger Ebert was a huge fan as was pretty much every other critic that I that I read uh, doing some research. You said this came out in October of 2003. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something? I was going to say no, because we, we, we mentioned Sean Penn and Tim Robbins winning Academy Awards, but how do you feel about Kevin Bacon's acting in this? I thought Kevin Bacon was 10 times better than Tim Robbins in this. See, I, okay, I was just, one of my things why I... I Okay, I was almost I want to see what you stood on that Kevin Bacon in this movie because I thought he was I, I thought it was awesome this movie. I thought his scenes were my favorite. I look forward to his scenes in the movie. Yeah, I think Sean Penn was amazing in this, and Kevin Bacon was probably yeah no definitely the second best part of the movie too. Was he nom- He was a nominee. Was he Kevin Bacon? I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you said it came out in October of '03. Pretty good. Pretty good month in theaters. So. This month put me back in a movie scene like crazy. So uh, Out of Time with Denzel, School of Rock, Mystic River, Runaway Jury, Elf, Kill Bill Volume 1, House of the Dead, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Pieces of April with Katie Holmes, Wonderland, Radio with Cooper Gooding Jr., uh, In the Cut, The Human Stain, The Station Agent, Calendar Girls, and Scary Movie 3. So some of those are, I remember because I worked at Movie Scene, but some of them, Mystic River, Elf, um, School of Rock, Kill Bill, those are some pretty big, pretty big movies, you know what I mean? So that's, that's a yeah. good month. Outside of Hollywood, <clears throat> Roy of Siegfried and Roy is attacked by one of the t- <laughs> is attacked by one of the tigers, canceling the show for good. I can't read that and not laugh at it because it's like kind of deserve that. Um, <clears throat> the Cubs beat the Braves to win the first postseason series since 1908. So when you hear that, you realize that the Cubs' cold stretch is a little different than even the Red Sox. As much as we complained about the Red Sox, um, you know, that that's pretty bad. They hadn't even won a playoff series since 1908. Speaking of the Red Sox, um, actually, before I get to the Red Sox, one more thing that happened with the Cubs. Steve Barton, in, in Spartan incident, ruined a man's life because he caught a foul ball. Way to go, Cubs fans. Um, and then, speaking of the Red Sox, more sad baseball news. October 16th, game seven, Aaron Boone. So that was a that was a rough month. Also, Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor of California. <clears throat> and that's crazy because at that time, that was crazy. And look where we are now. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, like when he was when he was governor, I was like, how is Arnold Schwarzenegger gonna be a governor of a state? And then it's like, oh, you just wait. <laughs> you just wait for what's coming down. Um, do you have a back of the DVD summary? I actually have the DVD over there if you don't. Oh, do you? I do. I found one on uh, Google, but I have right, my you, you read yours and I'll so. try to find mine without unplugging my headset. Sounds good. So, when the daughter of ex con Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Marcus is murdered, two of his childhood friends from the neighborhood are involved. Dave, a blue collar worker, was the last person to see her alive, while Sean, a homicide detective, is heading up the case. As Sean proceeds with his investigation, Jimmy conducts one of his own through neighborhood contacts. Eventually, Jimmy su- suspects Dave is the culprit and considers taking the law into his own hands. That's way better. I think that that gives way more information. Let me read you mine. Jimmy, Dave, Sean, friends who grew up in a working class in working class Boston. They drift apart after a terrible tragedy. Years later, brutal events reconnect them. Jimmy's 19-year-old daughter is coldly murdered. Dave is a suspect, and Sean, now a cop, scrambles to solve the crime before volatile Jimmy takes the law into his own hands. So I guess that's not that bad, but yeah, that both of those pretty much give the, yeah, give the story. Yeah. Yeah. So people now this cast is insane. So you're going to have to give me a few minutes here, but before we get into the actors, Clint Eastwood as a director, not as an actor, we're going to leave those. That. Although he was, he did act in some of these as well. As a director, he's known for Mystic River, A Perfect World, Bird, High Plains Drifter, uh, Bridges of Madison County, Letters from Iwo Jima, Gran Torino, Sully, American Sniper, Play Misty for Me, Outlaw Josie Wales, Unforgiven. Um, so quite the resume as a director. You, maybe even probably better than an actor. I don't know. Or definitely up there. Speaking of actors, like I said, this is all. This is. There's really not anyone in this movie that's just someone. So Sean Penn, we've covered Sean Penn's uh, films before, but his transition from Fast Times at Ridgemont High to one of the best serious actors on the planet is 
pretty insane. And I know some people don't love him because he doesn't seem like the most warm and fuzzy guy. I, that's kind of how I feel about him. Um, and his politics may or may not align with yours, but you can't deny the fact that he's a great actor. So, so like I said, Fast Times, Later, Bad Boys, State of Grace, Carlito's Way, Dead Man Walking, for which he received an Academy Award nomination for, for Best Actor. She's so lovely. She's so lovely, sorry. Sweet and Lowdown, another Academy Award nomination. Uh, I Am Sam, Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. Mystic River, which we just we said earlier he won. 21 Grams. Milk won it again for Academy Academy Award for Best Actor. Like I said, like him or not, crazy talented dude. Um, Tim Robbins, speaking of very talented actors, Nuke from, from Bull Durham, Jacob's Ladder, Bob Roberts, Cradle Rock, Shawshank Redemption. How the hell did he not win anything for Shaws, anything other substance for Shawshank Redemption? And I think that his win here for this one was, was like a, yeah. yes, That's for sure. Like pretty much how, yeah, Scorsese <clears throat> and DiCaprio, they've all had those makeup calls. Right. And he was also, uh, he was also in Dead Man Walking and he directed it. He got the Academy Award nomination for Best Director for Dead Man Walking and then Mr. Grover. Uh, Kevin Bacon, sneaky talent. It's funny that you, you said the same, I, I felt the same way. So I think Penn and Robbins, everyone agrees that they're outstanding and they're probably the two best actors resume wise in this one but i wonder how many people would list kevin bacon if you ask them the name great actors so let's just <clears throat> look at his resume though so diner in 82 obviously footloose in 84 tremors in 1990 jfk a few good men river wild apollo 13 sleepers the woodsman stir of echoes hollow man frost nixon black mass super talented guy and i think him and he has a couple slip-ups but his boston accent is one of the least offensive in this one some of them there are some horrible boston accents i think sean penn does a good job because he doesn't go too over the top with it but kevin bacon might be runner-up <clears throat> more talent lawrence fishburne i can't look at lawrence fishburne and not think of him as uh, furious from boys in the hood also well known obviously for the matrix series he actually said um you're going to kill me, Joe. What's his, what's his character in the matrix? Morpheus. Yes. Yeah. I saw an interview of him on Conan where he says that people will like walk up to him and they think his, they think his name is Morpheus. Like they don't know him as anything else, but um, also in the John Wick, John Wick series, Academy Award nomination for his portrayal as Ike Turner and what's love got to do with it. He was in hoodlum in 97 assault on precinct 13 kiss, kiss, bang, bang, Bobby deep cover color, purple school days, Searching for Bobby Fischer. So quite the career. He, he though, has some questionable. They all do, but he seems to more open to any work he can get. But yeah. very good actor. He was, he was good in this movie, too. Like, he didn't, he, I, I, I mentioned it, him and Kevin Bacon, I think, I think they're the best scenes in this movie together. So he, his accent was horrible, though. He, he, yeah, no, I, I, I got that. I, I actually like felt like halfway through, he just started to just, he was just himself, like eventually, like he just like kind of gave up. After they, they interview Sean Penn's character after they interview Jimmy Markham and he's telling Kevin Bacon that he can tell he did time because he can tell that Sean Penn did time because he like wears his tension in his shoulders and he starts talking like he's like an Italian New York guy and he's like and I'm like what is that where did, where did that accent come from um, but anyway I love Lawrence Fishburne though <clears throat> Marsha Gay Harden who plays Tim Robbins wife in the film who has some quite the internal conflict um, 
The first film was Miller's Crossing, not a bad start. Also in Used People, First Wives Club, Pollock, which you got an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress, American Fun, The Mist, Into the Wild, the Fifty Shades series, also worked in, on Broadway in Angels in America in 1993 and God of Carnage in 09. Last major cast member that we have to talk about, Laura Linney as Sean Penn's wife, Annabeth. <clears throat> Academy Award nomination for You Can Count on Me. Uh, Kinsey and Kinsey. Uh, oh, so she has Academy Award nominations for three movies. You Can Count on Me, Kinsey, and The Savages. Also in Primal Fear, The Truman Show, Mr. Griver, obviously. Love Actually, Squid and the Whale, Nanny Diaries, Hyde Park on Hudson, Mr. Holmes, Nocturnal Animals. And she actually shot this concurrently with Love Actually, a movie we, we just talked about a few, few weeks ago. Community awesome. Across the Atlantic for both shoots. So she would just go Boston to England, Boston to England. So that's pretty cool. And then two supporting actors that I have to mention. <clears throat> yeah, you Joe knows one of them. So Tom Geary, a.k.a. Smalls, as Brendan Harris. So you know him as Smalls in the Sandlot. U571. He's also in U571, Black Hawk Down, and The Black Donnellys, the greatest show to not get the second season it deserved. Yep. Which, if you go on IMDb, <laughs> that's his profile picture. His uh, his still from Black Donnellys. So worth if you out. if you haven't seen that show and you can find it on either like Hulu or I don't know where it is, if anywhere or on DVD, no joke. I highly recommend it. It's such a good show. <clears throat> and then the other one is Emmy uh, Rossum as as Katie Markham. She, you know her from Day After uh, Day After Tomorrow, Phantom of the Opera, Dare, Herself, Shameless. Just she was in this movie for not a long time, unfortunately. Spoiler alert: doesn't end well for for Katie, but just a pleasant. I liked her a lot too. I mean, she was like she's not in it a lot, but she was good. I didn't realize going into this movie that those were they were both in this, so that was a nice little surprise when I saw her pop up in the shop, and then I was like, oh my god, Smalls! So it's Really the nice. One, after watching that, after knowing what the, how their career is now, it's really fun seeing that. The one thing that um, with 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 Emmy, Emmy Rossum, that I was like that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, or not the wrong way, but her friends, she's like this obviously like very pretty, believable that she's like 18, 19 year old, wherever she's supposed to be, and the girls that she went on drinking with, I'm like. Those look like they were like, <laughs> look like they were, no offense to those to those women, but they look like they were like 30 years old and like I'm like, what what crowd is that? Like you yeah. know what I mean? But, I I spent while some made my plug, but she is married to the creator of Mr. Robot in real life. Oh well the creator of Mr. Robot's doing Mr. Robot, well. Robot, him. What's his name? Give a shout out. Uh, Sam Esmel, I think, or Esmel, I believe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, living so. the living the dream, Sam. <laughs> Did you have anything down for the more you know, random facts, trivia stuff? I had a few things. Um, so the studio executives at Warner Brothers wanted Clint Eastwood to shoot this movie in Toronto um, to save money. Eastwood refused and pushed to have this film completely shot in Boston where it is set. So well done, Clint. I saw that. Sitting, sitting his ground. While researching his character's occupation, Kevin Bacon had worked in the office of Massachusetts State Police. Um, the movie was shot in 39 days, which is really impressive. That's crazy. I saw yeah, that. That's crazy. Really impressive. And then you. I also. Already... What am I going to say? No, real quick. The thing I meant to talk about this earlier. The thing you said about the budget. The budget seems unusually low for shot the people Boston. that are in it. Yeah, yeah shot in Boston. Though, shot in Boston in 2003, yeah. which I don't think they really offered tax breaks back then. Mm-hmm. So right, like they do right. now. Um, but anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. And then the last thing I have you kind of already touched upon a little bit. Um, 
and Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, only previous movie together, Dead Men Walking, came on 1995. Both were, both were Oscar nominated as Best Actor and Best Director. On this one, both were victorious as actors. So, nice. like I said, it's kind of cool because they both well deserved from this movie. So, first first fact I have is Dennis Lehane. So, he's the, the guy that wrote the book. He has kind of a cameo at around two hours and 10 minutes. Uh, so he's the author of novel and he can be seen waving from the back of a convertible in the parade sequence. Um, and like you said, he also wrote Gone Baby Gone, Shutter Island, some episodes of The Wire and Boardwalk Empire. So I shouldn't have had a cameo on this. It's kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. Um, the situation at the opening of the movie is based on an incident when as a child, Dennis Lehane's mother severely reprimanded him for getting into a car with a man who claimed to be a plainclothes policeman. So that was the inspiration. The whole was, was pretty creepy, wasn't it? That's a, the opening was yeah. super creepy. Like it's yes, like it was so weird. Really creepy. We'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, it was it was so weird. Um, the film set in a fake Boston neighborhood, East Buckingham. It's supposed to be kind of a mix of like Charlestown, Southie, Brighton. Uh, Dorchester, you kind of get like Chelsea because you see the Tobin. They keep showing the Tobin the whole time. So, so they're, but it's not, if you're not from Boston, East Buckingham's not a neighborhood in Boston. And then what's even weirder is like Tim Robbins' son has a hat on that's like his, his little league is SB. So you think of like South Boston that looks like a South Boston little league jersey, but it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a, a hodgepodge of a few different neighborhoods. Um, at around five minutes in to kind of follow up on what you were just saying, when a young Dave is thrown into the back seat of the car, a man on the front passenger seat turns around and displays his ring, a bishop's ring. The book never indicates that the character was a priest, but it was added to the, to the movie since filming took place during the priest's sexual abuse scandal on, in the Boston Archdiocese. I didn't know what that scene meant, actually. I didn't realize what he was in the can when he showed his ring there, because I'm not, I don't know, it's so, that's, that makes a little more sense now. Still, right? Kind of doesn't make sense in that whole. But yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, addition. Yes, and then Michael Keaton, who was originally cast as Sean Devine, uh, he had done several script readings with the rest of the principal cast, and he had been doing research on the role with the state police and living in Boston for several weeks. But a month before principal photography was about to start, Keaton and Clint Eastwood got into a huge argument, and Keaton left the project. A week later, Kevin Bacon was cast in the role, so they replaced him. But then Keaton was in a movie later on about child abuse in the Catholic Church in Boston, Spotlight, in 2015. He was a reporter, obviously, and that one, not a detective, but kind of cool tie-in. I think he, I think he got that. He got a really good job with this with that role too. Kevin Bacon, I'm happy he got the role, but I think he could have done pretty good with it. Pretty, uh, I could job with. Yeah, I, I do too. Character. I do too. I, I, I would have liked. I wish that they could have fit him in somewhere else or you know what i mean yeah i agree um forrest whitaker was the original choice for whitey power so fishburne's role and almost accepted but backed out supposedly due to other commitments and the last one i have is just a little one jimmy markham's storefront is used again in black mass in 2015 the whitey bulger i story. saw that very cool that's a really cool yeah. fun fact so we kind of talked about this before we started recording but stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment nothing really i mean Obviously, you don't want to kill people and throw them in the in a in a bear pit. But I guess the comments there were some comments they made about um, Little Ray Harris being mutant and um, stuff like that. But calling him a freak. But Joe said it best before we start recording. 
for a Boston movie. Boston doesn't have the best <laughs> reputation for being accepting and uh, doesn't have the best racial history in the Northeast. So it definitely could have been a lot worse. Absolutely. So favorite scene. What did you have now for favorite scene? All right. Favorite scene. Let me pull this up real quick. So the acting was great, obviously. And you, and really, you really do feel for Tim's character, Dave, which is because of his acting. Um, I do wish we got more of the police work featuring Bacon and Fishburne because not only was it the most interesting part of the movie, in my opinion, anything they were on screen, anything they were on screen, I was curious on where the movie was going to progress because it felt like it was only progressing when they were there. Um, but also features some, again, really great acting. Kevin Bacon was awesome in this movie, despite this whole really weird wife thing, but I'll get down to that after. That wasn't uh, his fault. <laughs> I know. That wasn't his yep. fault, but I'll get into that in a yep. little bit. Um, and I first seen wise now, I really liked the buildup and the eventual reveal of Katie being found. You knew it was coming, but the whole way it was done leading up to it, step by step and kind of leaving you guessing still if something else could have happened. But it's, we know the outcome and the way it was done, I thought was really, really, was really powerful. Cool. No, I agree. So my, I have two down for favorite scenes. Both of them are huge downers, but this movie is a downer. So it's, uh, it's just the the best acting and so whatever. So the first one is what you just said. The the famous is that my daughter in there scene with Sean Penn and it's tough to watch, but Sean Penn is intense in that scene. Like you believe that that's Sean Penn's daughter in the thing. It's just super powerful. And I also love how his friends, the Savage Brothers. I mentioned this talking about other movies, but friends that are so loyal, they're willing to do anything for each other. I love that. I don't care if there's a little bit of dirt on them and they're, they'd probably take it too far. Sometimes it's one of my favorite things in movies. I've, I've brought that up uh, in other, in other movies that we've talked about. And then another scene that I think doesn't get the attention that it deserves. Cause I forgot about it, to be honest, tough to watch, but powerful is when Jimmy, when Jimmy's father, so Sean Penn's father-in-law comes over and tries to tell him that, he kind of tries to say like, I understand what you're going through. Cause like his wife, I think it's his wife that he's talking about has passed away. And he says he needs to like, you know, he's going to be okay. Cause he's going to be a man and blah, blah, blah. And he says something like I did it after I lost my wife and Sean Penn starts the, the speech where he's like, they, they, it looks like they put her in a bag and beat her with pipes and she was shot and, how right now she's on this autopsy table with chest spreaders and he's like all due respect she didn't die. your wife died in her sleep like she didn't my daughter didn't die in her sleep and it's it's just it stops you in your tracks like when you're watching it you're just like holy shit and you and you put yourself in that guy's shoes and you're like what do you got to say now <laughs> you know what i mean what do you that, say the fact that they're over there mourning <laughs> this guy's this guy's daughter he actually like put some blame on him i'm like who the hell is this guy like the way he was saying he's like you know he's like it starts off by it sounds like he's playing blame. Then he goes into the story, like you said, with his wife, whoever it was. I'm like, man, what a what a worth thing to bring up at a fight. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even this moment. It wasn't even. I don't even know if it was so much blame as it was like responsibility. It's like he's giving him this like speech of like how he has to step up for the his daughter and step up for the other kids and whatever. It's like, dude, not the time, man. Read the room. He just yeah. found his daughter <laughs> murdered in a old bear pit at the Franklin park or whatever they called the zoo, but they, they had all these like new names for places in in Boston, but yeah, like yeah, that... said, Sean Penn had two powerful scenes and those were, those were, that's why I wanted to ask. That's why I want to kind of work for this movie. I also love the, I also love the end scene where 
how him and Dave and their relationship. I know it wasn't the right thing to like, it, he had it wrong, but I, I love that scene too. So um, if you could change one thing, what would you change? <laughs> a little list here, Eric, right? I have, I have a list too, so don't take the your time. The entire third act. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the entire third act. Everything from the murderers to Jimmy's wife, Jimmy's wife's crazy speech at the end of it. So the whole subplot with Kevin Bacon's wife, first of all, what the hell is that about? The whole, like, that made no sense. The whole idea is ridiculous of him staying with her during all this for six months. I'd be like, okay, this is clearly not working out at this point. So time to move on. Really yeah. weird. Really weird. And like, I don't know, that, that whole thing could have been removed. I don't even know why it was there. I, I, I didn't read the book at all. So I'm not sure if it was more Same. like of an in-depth, like, you know, look into that relationship. But for the movie. We should say this. Work. We should say that. Like, I haven't read this book either. And this could, I think this is one of those things where this, I bet you this book is amazing because you have the time to explain things that aren't explained at all or well enough or whatever in the movie, but go ahead. No, absolutely. And I think the killers, the murderers, I think that was a huge letdown. They're on screen for like 14 seconds. I think if they're going to choose anyone, it would have made more sense to have the mother be the killer. She's has a she has one scene where the when uh, Bren's being interrogated. She seems really vicious. The gun was there. She doesn't like she clearly doesn't like Brendan. So it's like it would make more sense to get back at Brendan by killing his girlfriend. The mother, the mother looked like if I was like went upstairs and I was like, hey Brie, can you do your impression of like a stereotypical drunk, like <laughs> triple decker lady from Boston or Haverhill or whatever? She just like oh my god, that woman. And it, I keep saying that woman or Tim Robbins, I think it was the characters. They just don't translate well to, but continue yeah. your, continue your list. <laughs> no, like she, she had a little more, I feel like, I think she had a little more screen time than the, than the brothers did, but it just made more sense because we get a glimpse of her. The one glimpse of is she's, she sucks. Like she's wicked mean. She yep. doesn't like Brendan. She's aggressive with him. She obviously was married to, you know, I forgot what uh, Ray, I think his name was. Is that his name? The husband yes just ray yep so right so they it's all this like it could have been easily twisted so like she would have been the killer i think it would have been more believable between i guess the characters who they talked about um and then immediately killing dave instead of questioning him like where there was the body or why didn't you tell the police if you're defending yourself why doesn't dave just tell you know tell him instead of keeping his now known secret known it's still unclear it's like i the fact, if he did, he did do a justifiable thing, I think, by killing this rapist. But the fact that he still is like doesn't want to offer any evidence on where that body might be, or like it's just he just kind of accepts his fate. It's just kind of like it's kind of a downward spot for the poor guy. You really feel bad for him. Like he he didn't have justice served. I feel like, and he's just taken as like this basket case around the area. But I feel like there should have been a bigger focus on the movie of maybe his past and his problems dealing with this overcoming this thing that happened with a kid <laughs> instead of keeping it as a twist in the end i think that was a wrong move keeping it as like a mugger and then realizing that he was actually molested as a kid like there are hints at that but even you kind of assume it but i think that leaving it as a twist was a huge mistake and i don't know i think the whole third i think the whole movie started off really good and then just really took a downhill dip towards towards the end and that whole third act just could have been erase but and then again one more thing the whole <laughs> the Please. whole speech with the um uh jimmy is dealing with his the, he <clears throat> killed his one of his childhood friends he just murdered yeah. him for the wrong reasons 
we should have seen him deal with those emotions. And so we get this wild, wild speech from his wife about him being a king and all that. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I was like, what a fucking psycho this lady is. No, no. So here's the here's the thing. You you don't you said he could have just he's supposed to be Irish and they don't take it from me. We don't talk about feelings. No, and I get that. I don't talk about my feelings either. I literally balled them up and like, just like John Mulaney says, I will die with these feelings balled up. But still, it's like, I feel like that speech, we, if we see him, we don't see him look out a window. I think that would have been a bad sign off for him instead of having his wife talk about how great he is and like how, you know, how amazing he is. I thought the whole thing was really bizarre, that whole speech. So, I didn't have that speech, but I now I have to talk about it because I I watched some things and that speech is very um what's the word I'm looking for? It it's it kind of divides people because some people are like, that's awesome. That's a that's a that's a Bonnie and Clyde situation. She's down, she's got her husband's back, she, you know, whatever. She's a supportive wife. And then some people are like, why are they making her such a a psycho but b it kind of makes like a a, it makes the female character look kind of weak a little bit and kind of just like you know daddy's gonna take care of us and you know it's kind of a little bit outdated you know yeah it was just so sudden like we got no hints of this personality of hers yes the entire movie then it just 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 gets sprung on you i'm like what is happening here's what i would have done i would have had the same sentiment but I would have had to like be like, he's getting ready in the morning and she can see that it's wearing on him. And all she had to, would have to do is like walk up and like kind of put her arms around him and be like, hey, we know that you did what you thought was right for our family. That's it. Yep, like, so it's kind of like her forgiving him and saying like, you did what you thought was right. Like it, you did, it turns out you were wrong, but you didn't know that. Like, but yeah, to give this whole like, Oh, the king is high and mighty, Jimmy. And like it was, yeah, it was fair. And her accent too. Oh my god, so bad. But are you? Are, do you have anything that's else? Still, to... That's my laundry okay. list of uh, problems. So I'm gonna continue on your laundry, laundry list and start with what you said. So the entire character, the entire character of Dave, played by Tim Robbins, there wasn't really anything. You this, I guess, I disagree with you on. There wasn't really anything I liked about his character. It was horribly written. The accent was just embarrassing. One thing that after rewatching it was a great example of how it made no sense. And so that, to go on, to follow up on what you said, so right in the beginning of the film, he's walking. So we pretty much see the flashback to when he was a kid, when he was taken and abused and whatever. And then it pretty much immediately cuts to, he's walking home from Little League with his son. He walks down the street where he used to play and he starts telling his kid like, oh, I used to play street hockey on the street when I was a kid. You see that sewer over there? I bet you we could open that sewer. They have a thousand balls in it. And it's like, this is where you were abducted and, and molested or whatever and abused. You would never, you would never, it, it, let alone to your son, you wouldn't talk to anyone about something like right. that you wouldn't walk on that street again no like, yeah I, it, exactly it would take a long time to walk down the street again so you'd probably take a long route to go around right. that street because you would just want to block that out but again especially not your like 10 year old son so the best thing about rewatching this again was i took the blame that i had placed on tim robbins and i directed it to the screenplay robbins accent was bad 
The rest of it was writing. I have no idea how he won an Academy Award for this, but it was not his fault. And the the uh, the actors that he beat out for best supporting actress was best supporting actor that year was uh, Alec Baldwin for The Cooler, Benicio del Toro in Twenty One Grams, Jaiman Hanzu for In America, and Ken Watanabe for Last Samurai. I would have probably gone with either Hanzu or Del Toro or, was yeah or Del Toro yeah. So really, the point is, there's a couple other people at least that I would have yeah. given, but and then so the ending makes no sense. So we're to believe that Sean Penn, so Jimmy is a guy with some, I think that's the whole thing is he's a guy with some dirt on him, but he's trying to clean up a little bit and maybe he's still straddling the line, but he's, you know, he's not the same guy he was when he was younger. So he kills Dave. We find out it wasn't really Dave. Meanwhile, the Harris brother and his little buddy, they just get caught by the cops and like, and his little buddy who, again, like everything you just said about Laura Linney's character we saw his buddy once for like two seconds and that's who we're that's who gets blamed for it him and the brother i would i would have loved in to bring it back to like this like street world i would have loved if somehow jimmy killed little harris or something or like have it have him kill tim robbins have him kill dave and then have him realize that he messed up and have like either him or one of his savage brothers kill the kids too or something it was it was just so i mean i would have rather the kids not be responsible for it at all but um yeah so i agree it was the whole thing there were so many characters and like you said the plot with kevin bacon and his wife or whatever ex-wife whatever take the collective like five or six minutes or seven minutes that you dedicated to that and tighten up some of the other stuff explain some other stuff this movie wasn't that long for for a clint eastwood academy award movie it was like two hours 15 minutes either you could take those five or ten minutes and spend them better and then add another 10 minutes and maybe the whole thing would just make more sense do you think holding the are you done i'm sorry no no go ahead go ahead do you think holding the reveal of dave being molested as a twist you think that was the right call um how how do you, I didn't think they held it. Uh, well, it's like they didn't really reveal it. Like you find out like more so when he you find out that he murdered a molester at the end. Like it wasn't how it worked. He was you see him running away and escaping, but through a little glimpse, and then you see find out that he that he didn't kill Margaret, he killed an actual molester. So oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, do you feel like they should have held that as like a twist, or do you think they, like that be worth revealing and having a little more in depth, kind of digging into that back that backstory a little bit more? Uh I I could deal. I could deal with either way. I, I, the thing I thought about was weird about him, him and what he did was that he kept lying to everyone and giving different stories about like what happened to his hand. I get, I get lying to the cops. Don't get me wrong, but he's like told his wife something. And then it was just like a horrible, it was poorly written. That part of the story was poorly written, but, but yeah, I would have, I would have liked to, um, to, I guess to kind of answer what you're saying, if instead of them showing a clip of him beating this guy who was molesting a kid or whatever a kid in the park, I would have loved if they just showed that they found that body. You know what I mean? Like and show a, almost like a similar similar scene where there's cops around an area and whatever. But I do think the one good thing about them showing him 
that I noticed this time showing him catching that guy was the little kid that was getting assaulted kind of looked like him. Right. And, I, and that's, that's the thing. Like, I feel like those were all like, if that happened maybe a little earlier, like we got that reveal a little earlier and it wasn't a, like another twist. Cause we already have a dumb twist coming with the, with the kids. So it's like, I feel like having two twists like that, that are both kind of mediocre, which is kind of let down. Like you, this movie's a, uh, you know, it, it's keeping your toes the entire time. Then we get these two reveals back to back, which are both, in my opinion, just kind of ugh, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I think problems with it. I guess if I could change anything, I would. As far as who did what, I would have the guy, the person that killed Katie Markham definitely not be Brendan Harris. I don't know who else I would make it. I mean, I know you said. Or well, definitely I, just, not I be... just I just said the mother because I thought it was a better right. choice than the than our kids just because that made no sense. Yeah, I, it would make more sense if it was Brendan Harris. It would. Or... Now, honestly, I kind of like going to this movie. I kind of thought that they're gonna have the reveal be that Dave killed a murderer, and he just didn't want to admit that he killed someone. Like I feel like see, that. Yeah, that would have been more see, sense like, too. I, I, I felt like the whole thing was like <laughs> it happened the same night. You know, it's almost like a coincidence. And I figured that the, they're gonna show us that he actually did kill katie's killer but he's also killed someone so like obviously that's a you know he's gonna he's gonna he has to live with that now i don't know there's a lot of different things like we've done, i would have done things differently this is my me too opinion, me so. too me too uh we skipped over one thing would you have down for the soundtrack yeah sorry i always skip over that yeah i mean i i put the, it the soundtrack didn't really fit with a lot of scenes in this movie due to sounding too hopeful i guess during scenes that were anything but um but i do give credit to the composer who is none other than clint eastwood himself so Clint Eastwood did the score for this, which is really, it was a really beautiful score and it sounds man amazing, of, but it just yeah. didn't fit with the, the scenes that were, on, that were on screen. Man of many talents. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it didn't bother me, but it did, definitely didn't add anything to the film. So this is the part of the podcast where we talk, we give the, the movie a score. So we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you get five minutes in and you can't deal with the Dave getting taken and child abuse and wherever and you turn it off all the way up to a score of five, which is you're going to keep it an extra day or two or three to watch again, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store so you can watch it quite a few times, which I think I actually bought this DVD from Movie Scene back in the day. So, um, Joe, this is my pick, so you're going to give your score first. What's your score? What do you think? So I, know, I know I've been talking a lot of negative about it, but I did enjoy it. I give it a three out of five. It's it's, I thought this one was a letdown, unfortunately, but it wasn't a bad film and features some really great acting from some really great actors. But the story just didn't end the way it started out. It has this great first couple of acts. We see the story kind of unraveling and these clues are giving us a little more insight on who the killer might be. But then we take this really weird turn in the third act, which kind of misleads us all, I guess, but in the wrong way. Um, the eventual murder was a letdown and it features people who were on screen for about 15 seconds instead of making it more rewarding for us the viewer and I, like i mentioned a little while ago some of the twists that were revealed to us as the viewer i thought weren't really twists and probably shouldn't have been twists um but i really did like it i liked like i said the acting was amazing i loved the setting and despite some things specifically the third act i it was a good crime film but i don't think it's i don't think it's best picture worthy yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's kind of an expectation thing. Like, I'll give my score in a minute. My score is not low. 
but it's way lower than people would it's way lower than four stars from ebert and you know whatever on rotten tomato so and the funny thing about this film is because this film came out at the beginning of a run of Boston movies in the 2000s, and this is at the beginning. So it's Mystic River, and then after this, there was Gone Baby Gone, and The Departed, and The Town, and Spotlight, and Patriot's Day, and Black Mass, etc. It feels like this came at the end, and they tried to capitalize on Boston being a hot new city for crime films. All the bad accents. Kids got a Red Sox hat. The two dads at the beginning listening to the game, and Louis Tiant's pitching. Irish Catholic kids. Sex abuse kid has to be carrying around a street hockey stick at all times for just for like no reason it's like they went to the boston film like store and they bought everything that they could afford they bought every character trope and whatever but i know that i'm (laughs) in the minority here but getting ready for the podcast i read quite a few reviews from people that i trust and i'm the weird one but this is not a great movie like you said it's not an academy or it is but it shouldn't have been an academy awarding movie in my opinion the only thing that makes it half decent is Sean Penn. Sean Penn's great. Kevin Bacon's good. Everyone else kind of sucks. And these are actors that I like and respect, like Tim Robbins, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Laura Linney, Marcia Harden. This book could be great, but it doesn't translate to film. Too many stories. It's just it's just too much. Not enough. The, a bunch of circles aren't closed. I also gave it a three out of five. I will admit, though, and you kind of touched on this, this movie is different as a rewatch when you see it the first time and you are wondering, was it Dave? Was it Brendan? It's different. It's better, but it's rewatchability is super low. In my opinion, I, I, I don't, I don't ever really want to watch this again. I mean, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and like, and I went to this not remembering anything. So this was like, kind of like I was like a fresh set of eyes for me for the most part. And like you said, I can't imagine myself going back to this anytime soon. <laughs> All right. So, that's uh, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the podcast, but you guys can message us with any uh, movie suggestions or to tell us that we're stupid and Mystic River is the greatest movie of all time or whatever. But so the beer, Sam Adams, uh, uh, Sam Boston Lager, which I bought from the same store that Clint Eastwood bought all of his characters from. It's just you you walk into Boston, you get off, you get a, you get at Logan, they have a gift shop with just like Sam Adams beer and Red Sox hats and street hockey sticks. Beer was good. Joe. Well, follow us on Instagram, worth the lead fee. Suggestions are always welcome. But if we don't get a suggestion, this one, Mystic River, was my pick. So this one, this next pick is Joe's. What are we watching next week, Joe? Next week, we'll be re-watching the Nicolas Cage film, National Treasure. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. Um, and we'll be back next week. All right. As always, everyone, thank you.